get our Bibles tonight and uh, let's get ready. We're talking about healing. If you haven't been here, Keith started a new series. And um, today we were expecting him to be back. And I was doing some things and the Holy Ghost said, you better get ready. And you know what? It's good to have the Holy Ghost. Because um, I tried to brush it off and said, no, we've got a good airplane and things are, you know, but the Holy Ghost said, you better get ready. And so I went and got my testimonies ready and I got ready for everything else. And the Holy Ghost said, you better get ready. And so I said, okay, I'll get ready, you know. And it's always good to listen to the Holy Ghost, you know, because he said, no, I'll be there. I should be there. You know, I said, okay, great. But I better get ready, you know, so uh it pays, it pays to listen to the Holy Ghost. So here we are, and it's going to be good. Listen to the title. The devil is a liar! Exclamation point. Oh, I liked it, I liked it, I liked it. Because it is so good. How many times has the devil lied to you? Oh, over and over and over again. So let's get out our Bibles and let's just wade right in to the deep side. Because uh, most of you know most of what we're going to share tonight. But you know what? Sometimes it's good just to be reminded of some things. And it just stirs us up and gets us stirred up. And it's a good time to be stirred up over the holiday season. You're going to be around family. You're going to be around friends. And some things you just need to be stirred up about during this season. Okay? So let's just do it. John 8:44. Turn there with me if you can. And um, we'll read a few scriptures and we'll go from there. And like I've told you before, I don't always turn. I've got cheat sheets here. And um, we'll do it that way. And let's pray. Father God, thank you for this opportunity to be in your presence, to be here together, joined together. And you said wherever two or more have gathered in your midst, you'd be with us. And we know you're already here, Father. Whatever you want done tonight, whatever your will is tonight, we ask you to be with us to accomplish that, Father. We ask you to make my tongue as the pen of a ready writer that I would say those things that would be pleasing and accomplish those things that would be the most beneficial and the most helpful to every person under the sound of my voice tonight, Father, whether it be here in this building or on the Internet or on TV or wherever it needs to reach them, Father, we just ask you that you accomplish your will here tonight in this service. In Jesus' name, amen. John 8:44, King James. It says, you are of your father, the devil, and the lust of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there's no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks of his own for he is a liar and the father of it. It's pretty simple. Listen to the NIV. They'll put it up on the board for us. It says, you belong to your father, the devil. And you want to carry out your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there's no truth in the devil. When he lies, he speaks his native language. For he is a liar and the father of lies. So why should we believe him? He's a liar and the father of lies. So when he comes to us and tells us stuff, we should know. Duh, he's a liar and the father of it. 
Right? Okay. Let's look at Acts 10.38. But what is God and Jesus? What did he come to do? Acts 10.38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good Doing good, doing God is a good God. He went about doing good and wait a minute. So good is healing, right? God does good and he heals. Those are pretty close together, right? God does good and he heals all that were oppressed of the devil. Okay, Jesus, for God was with him. All right, let's read it in the Amplified. They'll put it up there for us. There they are. They're they're quick and sharp tonight, I'm telling you what. How God anointed and consecrated Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with strength and ability and power, and he went about doing good... And in particular, and in particular, the good he was doing was curing all who were harassed and oppressed by the power of the devil. For God was with him. How much simpler does it get than that? Okay, the NIV. This is the one I like. And God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. And he went about around doing good, healing all who were under the power. The power. Now, that changes it just a little bit. The power of the devil. Because God was with him. Now, how do we get under the power of the devil with sickness? That's what I want to talk about. How do we get there? Because God told us lots of things about healing. But how do we get underneath that that power of sickness? How many of you in here have ever had symptoms attack your body since you've been born? (laughs) How many of you had them last in your body longer than a day? How come? Okay, let's find out. You want to? I like things simple. You know me. I like them simple. Matthew 4. I don't get too complicated. We could bring the kids in here and they could get it. 
it gets too complicated, I think it's just, I think it's of the devil. <laughs> because God said it's good and it's healing. And it takes the devil to complicate stuff. Because God says, if you accept Jesus, you'll be saved. And then it takes stupid people to, to mix it up. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay. Um, I just accept it for what it says, you know. So, okay. Then Matthew 4, verse, verse 1. And then Jesus was led up in the spirit into the wilderness, and he was tempted of the devil. And when he fasted 40 days and nights, he was afterward hungry. You might be hungry too. I know I would be. And when the tempter came to him, what did he do? What did he do? He said. He said. Look up there at the board, King James. He came to him. He said. How many times has the devil ever he said to you? Has ever he said to you? Now, what did we read in that first verse? For he is a liar and the father of it. But how many times has he said? But he said to Jesus, if you're the son of God, command these breads that they be turned to stone. And Jesus answered and said, it's written. Man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Then the devil takes him up to the holy city and sets him on a pinnacle of the temple. And and he said to him, if you be the son of God, cast yourself down for it is written. He's going to quote him some scripture now. He shall give his angels charge concerning thee. And in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time you dash your foot against a stone. And then Jesus said again, It is written again, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. And again, the devil taketh him up to an exceeding high mountain and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. And said unto him, All these things I will give thee, if you'll fall down and worship me. And Jesus said unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and only him shalt thou serve. Then, 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 everybody say then, Then. the devil left him. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. 
Now, how many times in your life has the devil said something to you? Now, we're talking about healing tonight, but you don't have to just stick with healing. You're an idiot. You're too stupid to do this. You'll never have nothing. You'll never amount to nothing. I mean, he uses people to do it sometimes. And he brings thoughts and he says something to you. Sometimes a thousand times a day. Especially if you're standing for something. Those thoughts can come like machine gun bullets. It's like nonstop. I mean, they're just like popping, popping, popping. And he's saying stuff faster than you can think almost. Nonstop. Where do people fall? Where did Jesus win? Turn to Jeremiah 9, 5. We talked about this a little bit in youth, but I want to apply it here because I think it'll, you'll get a real clear picture of something. It's talking about the Israelites and all the things that were happening in their lives, but I only want you to get this one verse. And they will deceive everyone his neighbor, and they will not speak the truth. This next part is what I want you to get. They have taught their tongue to speak lies. And they weary themselves to commit iniquity. Now, this is the picture that I want you to get for just a minute. We're going to talk about the lie thing because it applies to a 100,000 different areas of your life. Now, think about somebody that has never really lied. We talked about in this in youth, so I'll apply it here. But think about your teen, for instance. Say, for instance, your teen is going to tell you a lie and they want to go to um, meet a boy or meet a girl and they want to sneak off and go to a ball game or, or, or do something. They're going to think about, you've been a teen before, they're going to think about this. And they're going to plan out in their mind how they're going to do this. They're going to say, I'm going to tell my parents that I'm going to go to Susie's house and we're going to have dinner. Then we're going to go to a movie and then we're going to, I'm going to sleep over there and then I'll be home tomorrow night. When in actuality, they're going to go to a ball game and meet a boy and stay out and go to Starbucks and do this and do that. 
when all the while the plan is to do something else. They're going to train their self to lie. It's a plan. They've trained their self to think about how to lie in order to get what they want. You want to get off work early. I'll tell them I have to do this. I'll use the kids for an excuse. I have to take the kids to the doctor. When really you just want to get off work early. You train yourself in lying and you become expert at it. You train yourself and it gets easier and easier and easier and easier to do it. The Bible says it. I didn't say it. Jeremiah says it. It says they tra- they have taught their tongue to speak lies. You know anybody that's a good liar? It becomes hard to tell if someone's telling a lie, if they're a really, really, really good liar. Because they've practiced it. They can do it without twitching. They can look you square in the eye and tell you a lie because they've figured out the whole realm. They don't just tell you that part of the lie. They've gone ahead and planned the whole lie and called all their friends and told them, now, if mama calls you, tell her I'm at Susie's house. And if mama calls you, tell her that we're all spending the night together at Susie's house. They've planned the whole lie out. They've taught themselves to lie. But the same way that you teach yourself to lie... You can teach yourself to unlie by when you go to tell a lie, you say, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to make my tongue tell the truth. I'm going to teach my tongue to tell the truth. Now, the reason I I use that is because I want you to understand that you can train yourself to be sick. People teach their tongue to be sick. You've got people that like to be sick for the attention that it gets them. They've trained themselves that if I act this way, then it will draw people around me and I will get more attention. And they've trained themselves if they look pitiful. They've trained themselves. They've done it for a very long time. And some of them are really, really good at it. That's the way to die. 
Because in the beginning, it's an attention getter. But what you don't realize is that the more you do it, you're opening the door to the devil in your life to put sickness on you that will stay permanently. That you cannot get rid of when you want to. There are people that's trained themselves to be depressed. They train themselves. Oh, just leave me alone. You've upset me now. They get a cool cloth and go in the room. Shut the door for days. They're depressed. Don't bother them now. They've trained themselves to do that. But the same way that you train yourselves to do these things, you can untrain yourself to do these things. There are people that have trained themselves to say certain things over themselves. How many of you, since you've learned about confession, catch it in other people? How many of you almost, um, lack of a better word, dread to be around your family at Christmas to hear the, all the negative confessions that they're going to say? It's like, okay, God, we can endure it, you know. Because you know what's going to come out of their mouths. And it's like, you know, and you're believing God that you don't say something to upset somebody because you'll, you'll you know, we're, we're not the Holy Ghost police and we're not there to correct everybody. We're there to love. But but sometimes you, you hear it and you just know what they're doing to themselves and you just want to, you know, but it's not our job to do that. They've got to grow before they can, you know, and God has mercy on babies. But babies, you heard that. But people train themselves in these things. And they train themselves to get attention from certain people. I know wives that train themselves to get attention from their spouses by being sick. They train themselves that that's the only way that the spouse will pay attention to them. So they, they in the beginning, pretend they don't feel good because they'll pet them and, and pity them. It will yield yourself to death and destruction. We can train ourselves to be otherwise. There's better ways to get attention. Than sickness. You got to want to not be sick to get past sickness. That's the first thing. Okay? So... In these things, you must desire to untrain yourself from some of the things that you've been doing. That's the first step. you got to be willing to see, have I trained myself in some things that I've been doing? I know I have to watch myself. I thank God every day for the husband that I have. Have y'all, did you guys notice, I was talking with Kelly. We were, went to lunch the other day with Kelly. And we were talking about Keith starting this series on healing. And did you guys notice last Friday night 
this boldness that comes on him. It's like, just double dog dare me to tell you. Did, did you guys notice that? I mean, it's like, don't even talk to me that it's not God's will to heal. You know, I mean, it's like, tell me other stuff, but don't go there with me. C- because he's taught it for so long. I mean, you could... T- you could tell him that the sky was going to be purple tomorrow or whatever, but he he may believe that or other things, but nobody would ever sell him that it was not God's will to heal because he's taught it for th- almost 30 years now, you know, night and day and day and night and day and And he has lived in perfect hell. I can't remember a day that he's been sick. I If you had... I do not recall a day that I woke up and he said, I'm sick. I, I, I think I would just pass out cold if he woke up and said, I'm sick. I, I do. I think I would, you know, I remember one time that he got food poisoning after eating some, some bad lamb. And um, it's, it's a really funny story. And we were at a, a pastor's. It's not funny in that sense, but it's funny that the pastor found out about it later and we joke about it now. But uh, we were and uh, we were driving to the airport and uh he got deathly ill and it's just the mercy of God that he's alive because he, because he, uh, it totally paralyzed him. I mean, he got that bad. He couldn't talk. It totally, totally, he says, Phil, I, I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to make it. And then, then he lost all vocal capabilities. He lost feeling in his hands. I mean, it totally paralyzed him. I mean, this was from the church. He, he spoke that night and then he came down from the pulpit. He says, Phil, I'm sick and I thought I'm going to pass out, you know, but it was food poisoning. That he had gotten. And uh, we prayed. And uh, uh, as soon as we got to the airport, of course, he got rid of it. And when he got rid of it, he began to feel better and stuff. But uh, he, I mean, he was white. And it was the next day we were going to close on this building. And um, we were sitting there in the office with the guys. And he was still white, 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 white as somebody else's shirts. And uh, I know the, the people thought, are you okay with this deal? You know, <laughs> but um, it had nothing to But he really, really was sick. But that's the only time I think I ever remember him being sick but um that was an attack of another kind it wasn't a you know so uh but healing is something that god has bought and paid for and he is so strongly uh, solid on that that um i had to learn some things and you'll hear about that here in just a minute but i want you to understand you must must make a decision in your life as to whether you want to be healed or not That's where you have to start. You can't want to be sick and want to be healed. You can't have both. You can't want the attention of being sick and want the attention of being healed. You have to decide, okay, which one you want. And it sure feels better to be healed. Lots better to be healed. So let's get back to the way that you get healed. Okay? So how did the devil come to them? He said. Okay? So he comes to you and he says. He says, Mo, you're a manic depressive. Did he ever tell you that? And how often did he tell you that? Lot. Lot. And when you were trying to get free, oh, let's do this. I brought this hat tonight because I wanted to try and let you see something. This hat 
is going to be a thought. And I want you to think about it being a thought of how quickly the devil can come back to you with a thought. I want you to see how quickly he can come back to you with a thought. Because this is how quick he is. All right? Mo, you're a manic depressive. What do you say? And then you learn a little bit of the word and you say, no, I'm not. And then, then, well, how quick can he come back? (laughs) Mo, you're a manic depressive. You say, must be. Then you say, no. Mo, you're a manic depressive. Gotta be, must be. Then you say, no. No, I'm not. No. So he stays down just for a second. Mo, you're a manic depressive. Oh, yeah. No. No. Can't be. Can't be. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. You just think you're not. Yeah, you're right. No, you're not right. No, I'm not. Mo. Yeah, you are. Yeah, you are. Gotta be. Yeah, gotta be. No, I'm not. How quick does the devil do that to you? Rick, you're broke. You'll never have a building of your own. You'll never have a company of your own. You're broke. You're going to file bankruptcy. You lost your job after 25 years. You'll never have nothing. Nothing. Is that right? You sorry picture of a man can't even support your family. Have you ever heard it? Oh, yeah. Did you hear that when you lost your job? More than once. More than once. Yep. What happened? Did you get kind of down? Did you think about it? It was there. It was definitely there, wasn't it? Kind of there. And what did you tell him finally? Not so. Not so. Not so. So it went away. You started it. Oh. It's back. You're no good. You're broke. You'll never have nothing. You were without a job for how long? Six months. Six months. Oh. Reckon how many times in six months he can come back. You'll never have any money. Oh, you're broke. You'll never have a job. You're a poor, pitiful side of a husband. You're broke. Lisa will never love you anymore. You're broke. Cast him down. Don't receive it, okay? Don't receive it. Oh, Rick, you're a sorry side of a man. You're broke. You'll never have nothing. He's a tither. No, you're not. Doesn't matter if you tithe. You're not good enough. You told you told a lie today. You'll never have nothing. God's merciful. Oh no. Oh no. But you didn't give enough ties. You don't. You didn't give enough. I remember in the past you didn't even tithe at all. Right now he's still merciful. <laughs> all true. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Devil ever work on you that way? Yes, ma'am. But what is he? Thoughts will come. And he'll say stuff to you. And he'll tell you stuff. You're worthless. You're no good. You'll never have any money. You'll never be healed. 
Who do you think you are that you deserve healing? Look at what you said about them. Look at what kind of husband you've been. Why do you think you deserve to be not a manic depressive? Who do you think you are to ever have any money? Look at what kind of person you are. You talked about that lady at work. I heard you. I heard you. Who do you think you are can build your own house? Live in it. You sorry person. I remember a time when you talked about somebody. I remember it. You didn't treat them right. You didn't walk in love. You didn't. Why do you think you can have a house of your own? The blood of Jesus? Oh, man. And new furniture, too? You deserve that? Why? God's good. God's good. And somebody pays off your house? God's good. But you lied one time. I repented. You repented? (laughs) But I heard you talked ugly about your wife one time. Twice, but you repented. Oh, no. You repented and you got it right. You told her you loved her. You fixed it. God, what right does the devil have to tell you anything? What right? Turn to Galatians. Three. Thirteen. You all should know it. Christ. Read it with me. Has redeemed me from the curse of the law, being made a curse for me. For it is written, cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree. So what if you didn't do everything right? Who said you ever would? Who said you had to be perfect? Why did God send Jesus for you? Who said you had to know everything about healing? Who said you had to know every medical term about your condition? 
Turn to Isaiah 53. Verse 5. But, read it with me, he was wounded for my transgressions. He was bruised for my iniquities. The chastisement of my peace was upon him, and with his stripes I am healed. Now, where did it say? Find me where it said. If you didn't tell a lie. Why did he hang on the tree? What about his blood? If you repented. Does he remember it anymore? So there's a quick way to get that fixed, right? So what does that mean? You big liar, you. You can't get your back healed. You've lied too many times. The blood... I'm healed by his stripes. But you don't know the technical term for your back problem. You don't know the whole medical term for it. You don't know exactly what it is that's wrong. You must find out exactly what it is that's wrong with you before you can believe for it. Matthew eight seventeen. Read it with me. That it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet. Saying himself took my infirmities and bear my sicknesses. All but cancer. All but diabetes. All but Parkinson's. All but AIDS. All? All. What does all mean? What if you don't even know what you got?
What if you really, really, really messed up and murdered somebody? Mm, see, y'all got quiet. Is there a sin that's too big for God? Is there something that you did that the blood can't wash and clean you from? If you humble yourself and repent, doesn't matter what it is. God's mercy endures forever. He's not trying to keep healing from you. He's trying to get it to you. First Peter 2. Told you you knew these. Twenty four. Who his own self bear our sins. Read it with me. In his own body on the tree. That we, being dead to sins, should live unto righteousness. Who is that talking about? Say me. Are you in right standing with God? How do you get there? Doesn't matter what you've done. Get it right. Then... By whose stripes I were healed. Okay, now were present tense, future tense, past tense. So that tells me something else here. Were is past tense. That means it's already done, which we already know. So why are we working so dogged hard to get it? I recall a friend of mine that had cancer. She's gone home to be with the Lord now because she quit. She got healed. She had cancer. And um, she thought she had to read almost the whole New Testament every day to get healed. Wasn't God. Well, we went. I went and spent. Do you recall how long it was, Jan? Long time. Weeks with her. And... uh, Went in and turned the TV off. Went in and got a Bible out. She was reading legalistically the Bible, but she wasn't reading the healing stuff. When you need healing, what should you read? Healing. And we not only did it with her, 
We did it with the family. Imagine that. Because when somebody in the family needs healing, does it affect the family? Yes, it does. And um, we began, and I kid you not, in just a few weeks' time, a lady that had shriveled to almost nothing. I mean, this is one reason why we have the, the reading teams around here. I've seen it work, and Keith has seen it work. She had shriveled to almost nothing. They gave her no time to live. Came back from death's door and got back up, started teaching again in their church, lived for a long time, and then decided, I don't want to live anymore, and quit. You have choices. But receiving healing is not a works. Receiving healing is just what it says. Receiving what God has done for you. And when people really need healing, oftentimes they get into works. They get into trying to get God to do something for them that he's already done. God has already healed every person in this room. He's already done everything he's going to do about your healing. I remember a story Brother Hagen tells about a man that's in a hospital room. And it's in probably all of his books about healing, if you've ever read them. And he tells the man was in a hospital room and he was dying. And Brother Hagen was in there and he had fallen asleep. And he woke up and he saw someone walk in and they had sandaled feet. And um, he saw him come in there and he, he it was the Lord. And he's, the Lord told him that... Um, the guy would not receive his healing. And he said, watch. And so the guy, he told him, uh, I've come to give him his healing, but he won't receive it. And uh, the guy got up and he said, here's his healing. And he would take a step towards him, but he'd say, he'd step out. He said, I can't, I can't receive it. And Brother Hagin would say, sure you can. Just reach out and take it. Just reach out and take it. And the guy would just go, I just can't. I can't receive it. I can't receive it. And it was Jesus standing right there before him. No further apart than I am from Miss Jean. And he was standing right before him. And Brother Hagin would say, sure you can. Just take a step, reach out, and receive your healing. And the guy would say, I just can't. I can't receive it. And he just fell to the floor. And he didn't receive. And Jesus was standing there with his healing. And his words were, he's not worthy. Now, did Jesus die to make us worthy or did he not die to make us worthy? And if we're trying to receive things on our worthiness, we'll never receive anything. We'll never make it. And that point right there is where most people fail on their healing. 
And that is where the beginning of the sermon came from and the title. The devil is a liar. The reason the devil can keep most people sick and get most people sick is because they are quicker to believe him about their unworthiness than they are God about their righteousness. All the things that we just did, it's real easy to sit in here and laugh about me putting that hat on people's head and do it here in the church. But I guarantee you, you sit at home and the devil comes and he tells you thoughts and he says, Phyllis, you're ugly. You can't preach. You should never get up. Who do you believe? You don't believe. And God says, you do good. You do great. Do it. There's an anointing. Come on. You can do this. And you get one ugly letter. Who do you believe? You believe the devil. And you will sit there and you will think the thoughts, the black thoughts. You will choose to believe the negative over and over and over and over and over and over and over before you believe the positive. And even God himself cannot pound it into your head. Not even a good spouse. Keith will say, well, Phil, you do good. I've watched. You do good. Stop. You do good. I'll sit there and say, I don't want to do it. Who am I choosing to believe? Now, what about you? You're sick. It's easier to go take two Tylenol. You got a headache. Than to repent because you talked about somebody. And get it right. Because the reason you don't repent is because you don't believe good about yourself that you're going to change. You believe you'll do the same thing again tomorrow. You believe, yes, I did this, but I might as well take two Tylenol because I'm going to do the same thing again tomorrow. I talked about my coworker, and I'm going to do the same thing again tomorrow. And I lied today, and I might as well take my medicine for my high blood pressure because, you know what, I'm going to lie again tomorrow. 
Because you believe that about yourself. When all the while God is saying, it's just a tiny step. You can do this. It's not as hard as you're making it out to be. You can change. You've been getting good word. You just take a tiny, tiny, tiny step and you'll be there. It's easier than you think. You can be whoever you want to be. But you believe the worst about yourself. You believe you can't lose the weight. You're a fat slob. How many years did I believe that? Fifteen? You believe every time you eat something, you gain weight. Every time you see food, you gain weight. You make jokes about it. Thoughts. You'll be fat all your life. Keith will never love you because you're big and fat. You might as well take this stuff for your problems because you're never going to be any better. You're only going to be a so-so wife. You're only going to have a so-so marriage. Thoughts. Because the devil knows if he can say those things to you and you believe them, you will never have better. You know the right answers. Every person in this room knows the right answer to say. You know the right words. You've heard it enough. I know the right words to say when things come. But knowing it and doing it is two different things. Let's practice it. You want to? All right. Let's practice. All right. Devil comes along. He says, you have cancer. You're going to die. What do you say? Or Psalm 91 says, with long life, I'll satisfy him and he'll show him my salvation. What do you say? You say that. Five minutes later, he comes back. He says, yeah, but you don't understand. You have cancer. Cancer. And you're going to die. Don't change it. You don't have to think of something new. That's where the devil gets us. That's where the devil tries to trick you up. He says the same thing, but we think we have to change. And we have to have 62,000 different answers to be smart enough to overcome him. But we don't. All we have to have is, with long life, I'll satisfy him and show him my salvation. He comes back. You have cancer. You're going to die. No. With long life, he'll satisfy me and show me his salvation. You cast it down. 
You're going to die, but you don't understand. It's the C word, cancer, with long life. Just swap it back and forth. Don't let him beat you down with telling you all sorts of things and throwing all sorts. You stick to your guns. You get you one scripture if you have to. One word from God can defeat the devil in the ground every day of the week. It doesn't take knowing the whole Bible. One scripture can beat him in the ground. He said his little finger could cast him down. You don't have to know the whole Bible. You don't have to quote 10,000 different things. One scripture can defeat the devil from now till the end of time. One scripture. That's all you need to know. No matter what he's told you, one scripture. Get you one for your situation. Here's another one. You're getting weaker and weaker. You can't do that anymore. Because you're getting older. You're getting weaker and weaker. Or you're sick. You're getting weaker and weaker. Ephesians 6.10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. He's got some might. He'll renew your strength, too. Joel 3.10. Anybody know what that says? Let the weak say, I am strong. So he comes to you and he says, you're getting weaker and weaker. Say, I'm strong. Joel 3.10 says, let the weak say, I'm strong. So you say, I'm strong. I'm strong. I'm strong. I'm strong. Mr. Devil, I'm strong. Doesn't matter what I look like. Joel 3.10 says, let the weak say, I'm strong. Give him the scripture verse in case you don't know. Because I know you can quote scripture too. Joel 3.10 says, I'm strong. I am strong. Doesn't matter what my body looks like. You got a problem, dude? This body doesn't matter. God can fix this body. He built it. He can fix it. I got this spirit man living on the inside of me and it can fix this body. That's what he don't want you to know. See, this spirit man on the inside of you gets strong enough. This body has to change. It don't have a choice. The spirit man will overcome this body. And it will affect this body. You get that spirit man on the inside of you so strong, this outside man has to change. Doesn't have a choice. It affects it. All right? It's too late for you. It's gone too far. Luke 8.27. Put it on the screen. Luke, and he said, that's not the right verse, 1827, 1827, sorry, Uh uh-oh, the things that are impossible with men, who said it was too late for you? Only a doctor, only the devil. Did he use a man to tell you that? Did the devil use a man to tell you that? What did God say? The things that are impossible with men are possible with God. Nothing is impossible with God. Nothing. 
So now comes the fun part. This is the part that you must do. Second Corinthians 10, 5. This is the fun part. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. The English version, the guys, I typed it up for them, so they should have it to put up there, guys. Do you all have that ready? There it is. Look at that up there. We destroy false arguments, and we pull down every proud, who's proud? The devil, obstacle that is raised against the knowledge of God, and we take every thought captive and make it Make it obey Christ. So this is a thought. You're going to die. What do you do with it? What do you do with it? You cast it down. Tells you you're going to die. What do you do? You don't play with it. The moment it gets on your head, you don't think about it. Do you hear me? Do not let it stay there. This is a thought. Watch how quickly thought you're going to die. You do not let it stay on your head. You get rid of it instantly. The moment it comes on your head, you throw it down. It tells you you're sick. It tells you you're broke. It tells you you're a loser. What do you do with it? You do not let it sit there for hours. And think, well, maybe I should begin to plan my funeral and think about my kids. What will they do without me? I need to begin to make arrangements in case I do die. I need to think about my family and make plans and think, be realistic. I need to, I need to think realistically now. This, this could happen. This, this, this is possible. This, this could happen. So I need to lay here and I need to think about this. The moment that you do that, you're going down. You are going down the tube because he's one. You give him no place. You say, Mr. Devil, who do you think you're messing with here, dude? 
I don't think those thoughts. I am not going down. I'm going up. You're a liar. You're the father of lies. You have no place in me. You cannot stay here. You get out of here and you take that thought just like you're taking, just exactly like somebody gave you some porn and put it in front of your face. You throw it out of your face and you get rid of it. You don't let it stay. You don't let a negative thought stay someplace in your life. That you're going to be broke. You're going to be poor. You're going to have an affair. You cast down thoughts. Anything that exalts itself against the knowledge of what you know is right. Elsewise... The reason that people have affairs, the reason that people do drugs, the reason that people have uh, terrible things happening in their lives is because they sit around and they think about those things. They don't cast them down immediately. They begin thinking about those things. And they give them place. And the moment that you give them a, a second in your life, it takes root. And every day that you give it another moment, it takes deeper root. And it takes deeper root. And it takes deeper root. But you know what? There's some good news tonight. God can break things off that the devil has put in people's lives. He's taken generation after generation after generation to put things in people's lives. And he's taken months and months and months and months and months and years to put things in people's lives. But God can break it off in an instant. In an instant. But you can't go back and think about it. You gotta cast it down. You've got to envision this in your mind. You've got to envision this cat, this hat. That's why I brought it tonight. I, you must envision this every time that thought comes to your mind about you're gonna be broke, or you're not gonna get your house, or you're never gonna get married, or you're never gonna have kids, or you're never gonna, the things that you've dreamed of. There's people in here that, that we, Keith talked about, this is the year that dreams come true. This year for us is not over. From the time that he said it. And thoughts have been coming to some of you. Well, I'm not going to get it. You've sat there and thought about it. Oh, poor pitiful me. It happens for everybody else, but it just never happens for me. You just think about it. You sit there and dwell on it. I'm just no good. I've just done all these bad things in my life. I'll just never be good enough. I'll never be up to par with everybody. I just can't get it like everybody else. I just don't have the faith that everybody else has. They're stronger in faith than I am. I know that's what it is. They've got more faith than I do. They've got more word than I do. They've been at it longer than I have. So they'll get it and I won't. They'll have it. And another year will pass me by and I won't get it. No, 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 no. Take that thought and throw it down. Get rid of it and say, no, Mr. Devil, God meets us where we are. If I'm a baby, he knows where I am and he'll meet me where I am. He 
he's no respecter of persons. He'll expect more of them than he will of me. And he will meet me exactly where I am. And if I stand with all the faith that I have, he will meet me where I am. And I will get what I'm believing for. And I will have it. And my dreams will come true. I will get it. Because he loves you just as much as he loves them and just as much as he loves them and he just as much as he loves me. He's no respecter of persons. He's a respecter of what you do with your thoughts and what you do with your mouth. That's all he is a respecter of. He doesn't change. He can't change. He will do for you what you do for yourself. And it's so easy, guys. It's the devil that tries to make it hard. Do you see how easy this is? It's so easy. I mean, the kids, I'm telling you, could have been in here tonight and got this and done it and you want to know the worst of it? They would have done it. They would have done it because they have not trained themselves as many years as we have to not do it. Because we have trained ourselves in believing that it doesn't happen. We have trained ourselves in accepting it might not happen. We have trained ourselves in thinking that healing is not for everyone. But that's not true. All that's true is we've chosen to think the thoughts and make the plans. Because by his stripes, I was healed has not changed. None of it's changed. So treat thoughts as like dirty, what the dirtiest thing that you can think of. Would you let some dirty, filthy bed of cockroaches sit on your head? What's worse? I don't know. Think of something nasty. Whatever you don't like. Would you let a rattlesnake sit on your head? I don't know. Whatever you don't like. Whatever turns you off. Think about that sitting on your head for a period of time. Make it get off. Make it get off as quickly as you can. Well, think about a hive of bees stinging you on the head. See how quickly you can get it off. Think of that as your thoughts. Make them go away. And only, 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 Philippians 4.8.
Y'all should know where we're going. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true. What's true? That you are healed. That 2 Corinthians 8, 9 says, For your sakes he became poor, so that you through his poverty might be made rich. So think on these things that are true, that you're good looking, that you're quick, you're sharp, you're a major blessing. Right? Think on these things that are true, that are honest. Honest. That are just. That are pure. That are lovely. Good report. Now some of you have got some evil reports. And some of you have been thinking on them lots. Hmm? Are you supposed to? It says, think on whatsoever things are of good report. Good report. So what does that make an evil doctor's report? Are we supposed to think on it? So what do we do with it? Where's my hat? Where's my hat? A doctor's evil report. Get rid of it. You don't have to think on that. That's not from God. You may have to deal with some things. You may have to do some things. But you don't have to think on it. You don't dwell on it night and day. You think on these things. If there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. You think on these things. The English version, and they'll put it up there for you guys to see. And it says it better than I can. In conclusion, my brothers and sisters, fill your minds with those things that are good and deserve praise. Things that are true and noble and right and pure and lovely and honorable. Glory to God. Glory to God. Well, let's stand up and let's praise God and think on his things. God, you are good to us. You are so good to us to give us good things to think on, Father. Thank you, thank you, thank you for giving us good thoughts to think on, Father. Thank you, thank you that you said that we could be rich, that we could be healed. We are healed. We are rich. We are sharp, Father. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. We are healed. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for your goodness, Father. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Now, I know in my heart that there's people in here that have seen some things in here tonight. I just know it in my heart. Can y'all sense it? Oh, people have seen some things in here tonight. But it's not just what you see in here tonight. If you've got to go home and get your own hat. I'm serious. 
If you've got to go home and get your own hat and, and when thoughts come, get in the habit of taking it and throw it in the floor. Get your own physical way of dealing with this. Do it. Do it. If you're dealing with symptoms, if you're dealing with financial things, if you're dealing with problems with your family. I mean, there's people in here that's dealing with marriages that are just on the brink and you've just been thinking negative, 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 negative. You better start thinking positive if you want the thing to work. I mean, think on good things. I mean, this works in every area. It works the same for healing. It works the same for marriages. It works the same for rebellious kids. It works the same for finances. It works the same. It doesn't matter what area it is. It's what are you thinking on is the results that you're going to get. If you want negative results, think on negative things. You'll have them. Think on the positives and you'll have them. Now, Speaking of which, Christmas is here. And Christmas should be a fun time, but it really, really, for a lot of people, is a pressure time. It's a pressure cooker. It's like pressure for money to buy gifts, pressure to be around family, pressure, pressure, pressure. It's more pressure than it is fun anymore, you know, for a lot of people. So think about fun, good things. Be the positive one. Be the one that's thinking about the positive things where your family is concerned. Because what you have in you when you arrive into a situation is what is going to come out at that situation. So if you go in there upset before you get there, that's what's going to come out in that situation. So bring peace. Bring joy. Bring happiness. We are the ones that are supposed to be bringing love and joy and peace and happiness. Don't go in and correct your families. You know, it'll be the thing that tears you apart from your families. Go in there with love. Go in there with good things, and they'll be a blessing to you. All right? We love y'all, and and if I don't get to tell you, Merry Christmas, everybody. And you guys sing something for us. Yeah.